Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, the word is out. They're gonna talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 618, Mank. It almost sounds like a dirty word. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, Mank. <laughs> I just oh. think it's fun to say Mank. <laughs> Shove it up you your Mank. What are you looking at, you Mank? Yeah. I think it should have been called Mank with an exclamation mark. I always want to call it Mank with an exclamation mark. <laughs> it just seems like it's like Mank, like a, some kind of headline, like a title. The you weird, know? Did, like, have you seen the title card that they use on Netflix for it? It's like this weird, like, it's very weird charcoal drawing, but everybody's all like kind of like stretched out and weird looking. Oh, and no. I'm like, it, I mean, it almost up. looks like a horror movie. <laughs> oh, and I'm just weird. like, what about this? Would it, like if you knew nothing about Mank, which we will get to, yeah. yeah, and you watch this movie based on that artwork, you yeah. are going to be sorely <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, and, see, that's that is Mank, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that's Mank with an umlaut. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> I want to watch that movie. Yes. So I would much rather watch that movie. So let's go oh. around the table and uh, we can introduce ourselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. <laughs> and this is Tom. My <laughs> Wi-Fi is better, so I'm not going to make that noise. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, quick shameless plugs. Don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us. Speaking of Spotify, it's been notifying people if they listen to a lot of a particular podcast and people have been sharing their their yearly wrapped is what they oh, call yeah, it yeah with a that's w. fun and uh so people have been kind of to share some of theirs with us it's been it's been neat to see some of you people listen to a lot a lot a lot <laughs> yeah i'm definitely like, share those that would be really fun yeah. to see more of those so so thank you and if you have one yeah let us see it so um 
uh, while while you're on the uh, the Apple thing, if you're doing that, be sure and leave a review uh, so people that come along after you maybe know it's worth a shot. And you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. Uh, like the page, join the group, and one of the easiest things you can do, and not to mention cheapest, is to share an episode. So uh, so like-minded people might uh, stumble upon the show. People who were kind enough to share an episode this week, Heather Sachs, Gabriel Lugo, Chris Sanders, Tammy Sherman Powers, Chris Falls, Chris Magic Man, Ron Johnson, Travis Tewitt, Chris Williams, Ralph Tribble, Nerd, Nerd Revert, Geek to Me Radio, Mike Mike and Oscar, Ryan L. Terry from Forza Crowd Podcast, Wen Lee, Rosa Reviews, Invasion of the Remake, Cinema Recall, Chris's Movie Corner, Ronnie Castle, Feel and Film Podcast, In Session Film, and the It's a Fandom Thing Podcast. So thank you very much, guys, for sharing the episode. We greatly appreciate it. And finally, don't forget we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and you help us out. And we appreciate it. So there's all of that. Let's dig into Mank. Mank. This, man. This was awful. I hated I this movie know. so I, much. I loved this movie. I have to tell you. And, uh, That's that my we, review we have pulled in the, in, the, in the typical tradition of real spoilers, we have three uh-huh. different yeah. views on this movie. I am, I am honestly shocked that Tom did not like this. If you don't know anything about Citizen Kane, you will leave this movie not knowing anything about Citizen Kane. This yeah. is yeah. the this I'm sorry mm. David Fincher, your father wrote a piece of oh. screenplay. Oh. I was going to ask who this who is this guy? Who I was thought, this guy? I thought this screenplay was great. I thought the I, screenplay I, was he went through books and he took every like clever witty apocryphal anecdote that he could find anecdote that he could find and strung them together and called it a screenplay. Like I, I thought some of the, like the walk and talks. Oh, with the, I wanted with to punch the, every walk and talk oh, right. In the, no, they're oh awful. My God. Awful. I that them. music. <laughs> hey, look at us. We're in the thirties. We talk like this. Don't we? Wow. That's Trent Reznor boom, and boom, Atticus boom. Ross. Yeah. I, I and thought, it sucked. I, not a, oh, man. Like, I'm See, sorry. I think it's because you're such an old school movie lover and like you're able to pick apart any inauthenticity this, or this or movie like, was incomprehensible. Like if you don't already if you don't already know this story, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It's so inside baseball. This movie is so inside baseball. It's like somebody watched Inside Baseball and then made a movie about <laughs> Inside Baseball. It's about wow. uh, it's, a, it's a movie about a making of featurette about Inside Baseball. It, it like this it, what's frustrating is that I don't think you could have introduced a whole new world of people to Citizen Kane, which is an amazing movie and and I think that anybody that stumbles across this movie that doesn't already have a hard on for Citizen Kane is going to be like, what the holy hell is anybody talking about? You uh, don't think it might pique their interest? Though? No, like, I no, don't. No, no. Like, hey, did, no. I'm just curious. Okay. Did you did you watch it by yourself or did you watch it with Katie? I'll watch it by myself. Yeah, watch it with Katie, and she will be like, <laughs> "What is going on?" I mean, I wouldn't even t- like that. The thing is, is that if I was like, "Hey, I've got to watch this movie for the podcast," and she would look at it or read about, I mean, she would just say no. Like, right. it's just not her thing. So I didn't even ask. I, I yeah. kind of have been able to gauge which ones to say. Let's sure. Like, yeah, totally. we watch. 
you know what I mean? Like, we'll watch the Christmas. Uh, I do the same thing. Together. Like, I, like, yeah, you like, know, some, like <laughs> there's some movies I'll read the description and I'm like, oh, I think Crystal will like this. Yeah. And there's some this movies one's not for you. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're not going to care. And then sometimes I'll see it and be like, oh, I was wrong. You should watch this, right? But, but, yeah. right. I had to watch that. Honestly, to be perfectly honest, if it wasn't for the podcast, I would not have even finished watching this movie. Really? I, I, yeah, I, I am. I'm leaning more towards Tom. <laughs> well, okay, so this, but this movie is not going back to what you said, Tom. This movie is not for people that know nothing about Citizen Kane, so you can introduce them to Citizen Kane. This movie is for the people that love Citizen Kane. They made and, this, but it's for, but it's only yeah. for those people. It's like, okay, you, you could make a movie, and I mean, William Shatner once starred in a movie that was entirely in Esperanto. Right. A man made (laughs) language that nobody really speaks. And if you know Esperanto, it might have been a fine film. But if you Mm -hmm. didn't know Esperanto, it doesn't mean. And that's what this movie is. This movie is the film nerd equivalent of, of Esperanto. This movie means nothing to anyone that isn't in the top two percent of film nerds. I wonder. I wonder if might as well be a foreign language film. Right, but I wonder, I'm starting to wonder, is that a bad thing? Can you yes. not make a movie for 2%? Yeah, but, but does every movie <laughs> no, I, have no, to be I think, for everyone? I think, that, I, I think that you can. I think it's okay to make uh, a movie that is not for everyone. I don't think that's a problem. The The problem comes when you get when creators and David Fincher hasn't said anything and I'm I'll be the, I'll be the first to say I think David Fincher is one of the greatest filmmakers yeah uh, he's of great the tw- of the last yeah 40 years this is without, his first without, movie since Gone Girl which is insane how weird is well, that well no that's that... not I mean it's his first movie but he directed uh a a couple he's been really episodes focused of, on TV he's he yeah, directed he did Mindhunter he did and Mindhunter. he did Shattered Objects he okay. did uh, let me he did House of Cards. He directed like yeah. the first two episodes of House of Cards. He's been doing okay. a lot of TV. Well, let me rephrase. This is his first movie since right. Gone Girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm I'm just like it's not it's not for lack of him right. not working. But yeah, but, yeah, but for yes. a filmmaker like David Fincher to not make a film in six years, like that just blew my mind. Thinking, of course, I mean, if he would have, we would remember it. But like in my head, I'm thinking, well, there has to be something in there movie wise. And there's but, nothing about this movie that screams David Fincher. Like this does not look no, like a Fincher no. movie. It doesn't look like. I mean, well, I you other told me it was other than its love of film. Yeah, yeah. You know, but see, that's I, fair. I, I see. Yeah. I I loved this movie from the two percent film nerd whatever view. Of it. I didn't even love I it. I love the way. black and white. I love mm-hmm. the cigarette burns. I love the audio. I love the Hollywood inside baseball. Like, I mean, this is a movie I wanted to see, and I know that we all in the movies we watch are not necessarily the transformers and the you know the big budget blockbuster michael bay that stupid netflix michael bay thing he made right six seven whatever that six crap. underground or whatever. I, yeah i mean i hated that movie right and that movie yeah. was super popular and cost 200 million dollars so we're not in the majority of film viewers and so like this is the movie i wanted to see i would watch this before 20 more six undergrounds or whatever they're called like i just i don't i don't i don't think that's a fair comparison Kevin, because well, no, I'm telling you what I'd rather watch than no, 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 genres. I, you know what I mean? Totally, like, totally, totally. I just, I just think like the compare. I mean, I'm in the middle here. Like, yeah. I think there are there are flashes of a good movie. Like, I think the Joe's scene, like, Mom, Dad, stop fighting. 
I know. Stop fighting. <laughs> I'm like curling up in a ball and shaking. I'm just trying uh, to figure out how like we can have such two polar opposite opinions. And like Tom and I are very have very similar opinions usually. But when we don't agree, it's usually like, it's, yeah, polar right. opposite. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I'm trying to figure out how or why because we again, we both I, see a lot of movies. We I both... felt like this screenplay was really lazy. I felt like I, this, this screenplay was... God. People are like raving about the dialogue. I loved like, the dialogue. It's, 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 it felt like an Aaron Sorkin knockoff. To me, the, mm. there isn't dialogue. To me, he went through and he found anecdotes that he enjoyed and then he recreated them on the page. That's not writing. That's not right. Mm. He didn't write dialogue. Any, I feel like almost anything that you think is clever, if you went back and looked it up... It's a quote that's been attributed. I mean, a lot of these quotes I've heard a million times over the years mm-hmm. attributed to, you know, uh, you know, Mayer or Mankiewicz or whatever. Okay. And so I'm like, this isn't clever dialogue. This is this is him. I mean, I won't call it plagiarizing because he's putting those quotes in the mouths of people who said mm-hmm. them. But but like there's the one scene I forget who he, which studio head he was talking to where they're doing the walk and talk through the studio lot. And like it's the main guy from MGM. Yeah, and mayor, and, yeah. and he's just like I mean, and he just goes on this like it's not an exposition dump as much as it's like a witty repartee dump, and he's just like like spewing all these quotes that have been attributed to him over the year, and they're probably rightfully so, but like it's right. just like this cut and paste of quotes that he said throughout the years, like he does he didn't just spew it all in one three minute chunk. And so I'm just like I I didn't enjoy that at all. Like I that was, was one of the, my favorite scenes in the film. Yeah, like w- hated. I it. just loved that. Hated it. <laughs> hated it. <laughs> to that point, like like I there are there are moments of this movie that I really do enjoy. Like him Mankowitz being drunk and like giving the uh, the the breakdown of his of his play like in Quixote? front of like oh, yeah, the modernized which I thought, Quixote. I like that. Right. And then I think that was, I enjoyed that scene. Hated oh, it. Him, okay, ta- well. him I, talking to Siegfried after the first party. Outside. I didn't like that at all. I, I hated all that. the party no. scenes. I hated the party scenes because I'm like no, I'm like nobody sits in a room full of sixty people and and gives a speech like this and nobody talks over him. They're all staring at him in rapt attention. Like that's. That's not the. That's not human behavior. This is not how people behave. Where I got engaged with the movie is when we started to get into the, uh, like political side of it. Yeah, right. Where the last where the twenty studi- minutes, it where the studio, up. like that, that whole political storyline, where the studio um, makes a like basically a propaganda video uh, to get the the vote the way they wanted to go, and Mank was struggling with that. Um, just like the idea of the, you know. It, I, and then you know his friend, the director, who ends up directing this this propaganda video and takes his own life, like that story, I was way into. Like, yeah, that's a cool story. That's mm-hmm. a very interesting story. But getting to those points, there are flashes of a good movie, and obviously Gary Oldman is fantastic. I, I think uh, we talked about last week with the Oscar bait. This is very much what this is, and it'll but probably Gary be this, doing it's gonna, Gary Oldman doing exactly what Gary Oldman is supposed to do, it's and it's going to get a bunch Oldman. of nominations. Oh, it's going to get it's going to rack them up. This is this is jerking off Hollywood yeah. all day. If there's one thing Hollywood Hollywood loves, just took Viagra, and David Fincher has been doing arm workouts for a year. Yeah, if there's He's one thing Hollywood years. loves, no. it's yeah, themselves. six years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, but this is successful Oscar bait. See, this is ah, oh, they tr- they the tried idea, they. They tried to do it with Hillbilly Elegy and failed 
miserably. But this this is like we wrote this again because this is for Hollywood. This is for the top ten percent of film lovers. So, okay, movie... so okay, so that statement right there is stupid. So why? Not that you're making the statement, sure. But the the idea that Hollywood needs to have a movie for them. Hollywood has always rewarded movies about themselves. They have, and I and always. I, I accept that. that's why I don't watch the Oscars anymore, right? Like I don't yeah. care at the, if if there's somebody like Quentin Tarantino where I was like, oh, you know, I hope he wins. Like that, there are directors and there are definitely movies yeah. and actors that I feel like deserve awards. But when they're just, you know, I, I don't, I appreciate that somebody won an Oscar for sound editing, but I don't give a crap. Like it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, the idea that Hollywood just can't wait to suckle at the teat of a movie that praises a industry that was absolutely revolting to women, to um, workers. Like this whole scene where it's supposed to be cute that the guy, the head of MGM is cutting the wages of uh, everybody at the, with the exception of, you know, the higher ups, which is something we still see today. Right. Like, it's not cute. Yeah. It's not fun. Like, it's not, I get that it's a depression, but it's not, it's not a fun thing to see. And the, well, and I don't think Fincher or Fincher's father was saying that was good that Mayer did that. I think it's just true that he did that. Oh, I don't, it's not, the the movie isn't, I'm just saying when this comes up for award season and it's going to be, and it's going to be rewarded, like with something, there's no doubt in my mind that this will be rewarded for something. And to me, rightfully so. But, I mean, that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah, that's fair. But like I said, I just think, do I think that Avengers Endgame should be nominated for Best Picture? Absolutely not. I disagree. I disagree. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) I mean, we might be right this year. Who knows? Yeah, like, I mean, Avengers Endgame. Is that still this year? No, no, no. No. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm like. No, no, no. No, that's. This year has been really crazy, though. But, like, (laughs) I mean, honestly, what Marvel has done is is a major cinematic achievement. And they've been rewarded um, with money. So, you you don't. I mean, they've gotten some Best Director nods in there, I think. Have have they got Best Directors? I don't. Didn't Coogler get nominated? Oh yeah, might yeah, have yeah. had one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but to 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 tell a story that complex across that many films in that short a period of time and have I mean, are so, some are certainly better than others, but I don't know that they've had any true just complete misfires. No, and I mean that's stunning. It's it's stunning and. And yeah. once people get some distance from it, w- whenever the day comes that they stop making those movies, and eventually it will happen, and I mm-hmm. know it doesn't feel like it will, but it will, <laughs> and right. um, and they get and people get some distance, they're gonna realize like what an undertaking it was, and the fact that that they did that, and and their batting average in what in what ten years, yeah, and their right? batting average was as high as it was. I mean, it's it it's. It's stunning and it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, they, they so, absolutely should be recognized by by the organization that is in charge of their medium, or you know that that yeah. recognizes the medium. But they, I mean, how did they not get some kind of special award? If they can give special Oscars to whether it's Disney or right. whoever, like they can make things up. I just don't get how they didn't give Marvel for that phase a special achievement Oscar because it 
It's unprecedented. It changed the industry. Yeah. It yeah. changed yeah. the entire film industry. They created they a kept... model that everybody is trying to copy. Yes, and they mm-hmm. kept the film industry alive longer than they might have yeah. even been before because the, the movie viewing habits have changed, and we can see now the transition, even with those movies still in being created as we speak, uh, the industry is shifting. and But people, if they're going to go to the movies, are going to go to the theater to see a movie. Right. That... Right genre that they have perfected is one of the ones that they will still go see while everyone else is on netflix and so i mean they're keeping people employed they're you know they're keeping theaters open longer and they definitely deserve recognition so i'm not saying they're not or i disagree i didn't mean to derail this into a Praise Marvel. Hey, oh, you know no, what? You, you derailed it in so, into something that wasn't wrestling. So we'll grant a, yeah, we'll allow it. Yeah. That's your one, though. I mean, you get yeah. the Marvel corner. I can't. I can't do any yeah, comics. No, no you get, yeah. Yeah. Can you do like a page turn, like a like a paper page for oh, comics corner? Like that's. Uh, you know, so the one thing I will agree with the confusing part of it, and not, and at least I do know Citizen Kane, but um, the way. You know, this is this is one of my problems with Hillbilly Elegy was how they handled flashbacks. Yeah, but this one was even more confusing than Hillbilly Elegy. Very much so. Yeah. Because Very much so. I couldn't keep track of the time periods. Right. And I didn't write them down. Maybe they were chronological, as in we were in present day writing this movie, and then they went back to a flashback. Then the next flashback was after that. Like, but no, I think the I, flashbacks, like the leg break and all that stuff, yeah. was supposed to be present day mm-hmm, sure. right? and then the flashbacks go back to 1934 33 but then the flashbacks jump to 1937 that's what i'm saying is yeah, i couldn't yeah. keep track in my mind because again i wasn't Same. taking notes but the title cards whenever they did a flashback would tell you which is helpful but i couldn't keep track of if they were chronological flashbacks or if they just related to the oh, present day chronologically i, I don't think they flashback... were i don't think they were chronological i think they were relating to kind okay. of like fill in the the gaps of right you know the but then i couldn't that. but i don't know history that well enough in film history to like that's the interesting part to me but then i'm like well was this happening before that last flashback or after and so that was the part where i think a second viewing of this film which obviously you guys probably won't do and tom nope. definitely not but i i'll be able to get the flashback part a little bit but that is the confusing part to where a movie should be not confusing even on the first view so i will definitely say yes that telling of the story was confusing um, and I, but I liked, I liked the, uh, what do you call that? Like the, the way they did the flashbacks. I like the typewriter. I like the, you know, you like the technical like a, stuff, the yeah, audio, like the, the cigarette I liked the burns, script, like the, the, the way it looked, the font. I like that. Yeah. I did. And I agree. I did also like the cigarette burns. Yeah. Like that was a nice little touch, but I, the movie felt like it an takes, old movie without being like filmed on some old camera. Like it still yeah. was HD. But yeah. they use those little things in to your brain to make it be like, like with the audio, with the the way they talked, and the score, and the cigarette burns. Like they made you feel like you were watching an old movie without relegating it to like, well, we went and found the old Panavision nineteen forty two and you know filmed it on that film that we had to dig up from the Sierra nevada desert Madre. To, to whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like no, they just they but they also did it without just like computer effects like oh we made it look old like they really didn't but those little touches made it feel old and so i appreciated that oh i was waiting for tom to hammer that yeah i just something like i just <laughs> i mean yeah it was yeah, cute yeah uh, you know like, uh, <laughs> it was cute it, like, the, it, it the, is this is used all the deep focus like like wells did and you know what i mean but it but 
I like I said, it's it was just, ah, uh, yeah, it, there were. It was. Too, I agree. I agree. It was. If you, and I actually I agree with both of you in different ways. I agree with Kevin that if you are into like this world, and I mean like into this world, this is your jam, right? Here's your wrestling corner. If somebody made a biopic of the WWF, mm-hmm. right? Like that's my jam, right? I know, I know that stuff, so I know that story. Uh, so that would be my thing. But I also agree with Tom, where it's like, I think it's a very small percentage of film watchers, especially people who are watching things on Netflix, where this is their thing, right? Like the people, and I don't mean to sound, I'm a, I'm a Netflix watcher. I watch all the time. It's like greatest you know the great british bake-off or uh a serial killer documentary or tiger king like those are the things that pop on netflix that people are watching i I don't think this was something this was something that film nerds like and i mean like nerds (laughs) were waiting for well to your point joe what's interesting is that so when a new movie comes out on netflix lately it's always number one the yeah. new movie comes yeah. out, it's number one. That's like been a pattern. We say it every time. This movie got the most views in history next week. Oh, this movie got the most <laughs> views. And you're just like, wow, these things are breaking record after record. So right now, if I look at the top 10, and this is Sunday. This is the weekend of release. And right now, the top 10 in the U.S., Selena the Series, Big Mouth, new episodes, Virgin River, new episodes. Also Peppermint, that action movie. Oh, that's weird. That must have just dropped. I mean, just on Netflix, yeah. But yeah. That's what I'm saying. So Marauders with Batista, I don't even know what that is. I just Sounds see good. Ding, ding, baby. <laughs> Christmas Chronicles 2. Uh, Ron Howard's The Grinch That Stole Christmas. The I Queen, mean... The Queen's that, Gambit, number eight. Alien it, Worlds, what? number nine. And that show The Crown, new episodes, number 10. So... Well, it I was mean, number... T- Mank was two yesterday. I saw it at, at two Well, yesterday. it refreshed because yesterday I saw it as 10. Yeah. But so that I, must have been two after the first day, and then yeah, so maybe well, it's, so one day. <laughs> I would love to know. Not that Netflix will ever tell us how many I people know. bailed on this movie twenty minutes in. Because right. I bet you, you think they have those. You think they have those numbers? They have to have those. Oh, numbers, they absolutely right? have those numbers. They absolutely yeah. have those numbers. And and uh, and I bet you, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. I bet a lot Isn't of people. I, I mean, I agree though. They, like, hear it, Dave, it, they, it, they hear David Fincher, and they're like, "Oh yeah, okay." He and did they, Mindhunter, that show on Netflix yeah, that I really like. And they, you know, and and they, 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 they give it a shot, and then you're just like, "Oh, yeah. no thanks." I, but I agree though. Like that's that's where I was. Like when the whole opening, where I'm like, "Okay, so he's." A writer, like this, a famous writer, and I know the name. Like I, when I hear Mankiewicz, I think Tom Mankiewicz, who wrote, you know, he was a script doctor on Superman two and the Three Musketeers. Like he was pretty, uh, he worked with Richard Donner a lot. See, I was I, like, yeah, let's do, let's do that guy. I, I think I'd of be Ben Mankiewicz, the guy in the movie's grandson. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> ben Mankiewicz on TMC is his grandson. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I do find that story interesting, where this guy's trying to recapture his former glory. And he's a drunk and he can't get out of his own way. Um, and he has like this very, li- he's got this. Also, can we talk about how young, like, could you imagine uh, WB giving a 24 year old director yeah. carte blanche to do whatever they want with no studio interference in 2020? That would never happen. No. That would never happen. The old times were so different. I mean, and when he talks about, you know, 
him at the end only being 44 or whatever. Like 53, 55. Yeah. He was 55. Well, no, he's 55 well, when he, he was, died, which was oh, 10 years died. later. Yes, yes, yes. Right, he's so, 55 right, when he right. dies. He's 43 at, as okay. he's finishing writing the screen. So you're like, dude, this guy looks 70. 43. <laughs> I mean, but but like that. You know, times were different. People died older. They didn't live to be 100 like they do a lot now, you know? Yeah. And also Hollywood didn't value youth in the same way, right? Like they, so... Yeah. What people tried to oh, look sure. like adults in a way that now, mm. you know, a, a you know a sixty five year old in Hollywood, they're they're still working out, they're still dyeing their hair, they're still you know mm. they're 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 trying to look younger. Where I mean, I don't know that screenwriters care so much, but but just even then, there's just this overall obsession with youth in Hollywood that you don't you didn't see as much of back. Then. Sure, 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 sure. But, but I, I'm just thinking like RKO Pictures. Randall Keith Orton. There's your wrestling corner. Uh, he like they they gave what was it like a like a three or four picture deal to Orson Welles where he could just do whatever he wanted. Well, they with no but, studio interference. But RKO was also a smaller studio that was trying to make a name for itself. And I also look at the film industry at, at this time frame is almost kind of like uh, like internet now, right? Like oh, was, sure, sure. It was the new hot thing. It was flush mm-hmm. with cash, and they and they're desperate for content and so they're they're doing anything they can and so so wells you know does has mercury theater on radio which is doing great and then he does this this uh, war of the worlds thing which gets him all sorts of attention i mean it's this huge i stunt essentially that, that yeah right gets right. all this attention and they were like we need to capture that but on the screen and so they thought they were going to get some crazy sci-fi movie probably and then he <laughs> turns around and does this you know <laughs> right well it's it's like you have to think that rko is like netflix you've got these other studios sure. yeah and then here's RKO the that comes and they're like we need someone and oh and art and orson wells has the war of the world thing that's huge he's the hot name right now and so they're like if we want to become a big <laughs> studio and right. compete with these others we you know mgm and He's the Max Landis of RKO. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the story that I find is interesting, right? Like of him trying to crank out this script in a very short amount of time. Uh, Yeah. That like that is the story that I find. And also like I do. That's the movie. I mean, the whole whole movie is bookended is, you know, that's the. But there's so much more in between that happens that I'm just like oh, I, don't, I don't care. So the flashbacks, are, basically, yeah. and and I like I said I did like the scene in the in the dining room where he's just hammered, and I did like the political part, like the the making of this political, and it mm-hmm. does kind of it's it's a little worrisome. Like this is that, that it's like QAnon territory where it's like ho- you know big Hollywood is influencing and changing the election results. So I was like, all right, it's a little. Oh, all right. I didn't need to see well, that on film. I mean, <laughs> ironically, they were doing that, but to steer it conservative. The, uh, the other way. <laughs> right, right, right. See, so what? what's interesting about this movie to me, knowing Citizen Kane, and I love that film, and I knew that it was written to take on William Randolph Hearst, who was a big newspaper mogul of the time, but when you watch this movie, see the inside baseball I got was that this guy was around the movie studios. And then we eventually find out spoilers. He's paying half of Mink's salary. And I'm just like, 
I never would have guessed that he had that involvement. Like I thought he was just some newspaper guy people knew of. I never knew he had any affiliation, any, you know, rubbing elbows with the movie people and was around the lots and things like that and had any money invested in it. And so I learned more about the history that I never even realized was a thing. Yeah, because he fell in love with this starlet. Marion mm-hmm. Davies and 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 so he started bankrolling all these pictures and and you and this is a plot point in Citizen Kane which is mm-hmm. that he he wanted her to be the serious actress and she wasn't she was a very good comedic actress mm-hmm. and he forced her into these roles that didn't fit her and and so she ended did up, it kill her career yeah or did he, it it was kind of the worst of both worlds. It killed her career, but he wouldn't let it die because he had oh. all this money. So she kind of kept getting put in these not very good movies because he could make sure that it happened. And then, you know, and then, you know, the 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 idea was that he would then use his papers to give her good reviews. So if you read a Hearst uh. review of Hearst paper she'd get a good review but everybody else was like this is not very good and <laughs> wow. and uh and it and it really did her a disservice if he would have just let her do if he would have bankrolled what she was actually good at she yeah. probably could have been a big star and instead he wanted her to do something else cuz he didn't value that thing and is that like, what is that, want? is that the her, reference to Marie Antoinette yeah where Marie she Antoinette. wanted to be in that and he was like no 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 you she would have been a be great there. Marie Antoinette or yeah. whatever and it's like and that she wouldn't have but she would have <laughs> she would have been like it's yeah it, it's almost like I'm trying to think of a, of a good example but it, it almost would have been like casting Lucille Ball in it you Lucille Ball is great but yeah. that's not what Lucille Ball does put Lucille Ball in a, in, in a comedy and you'll and people I would, I would say Kristen Wiig but <clears throat> she's kind of blown that yeah, stigma I mean, she's out of the water. Done a lot, of, and and you see more of that these days of people that kind of go back and forth. But but um, oh yeah, we see that every time that uh, Adam Sandler or Pete Davidson right. or you know that I mean there are ones that can, but there sure. are some that can't. Like Lucille Ball may not have been able to, and she clearly- tried it. She had a a made-for-TV movie towards the end of her life called Stone Pillow, where she played a homeless woman. Oh. Um, I think she might have even got an Emmy, but she was for, in. But- was it M- Mame? What what was the thing she was in that was serious? Lucille Ball that well, I Mame was a musical. It. So I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't serious parts, but Mame is is pretty broad. Yeah, I did, but I yeah, I just remember her being in something, and maybe that was it. But it, but it, it was it seemed to me like outside her wheelhouse. Like it yeah, wasn't Mame just wasn't that, quite as screwball comedy or physical yeah. as as you would expect from a Lucille Ball thing. But it it was adjacent. Like she didn't all of a sudden do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or something. But it didn't get very good reviews, did it? I honestly don't remember. I know like people... it kind of failed is the thing. Like so, she did that, which seemed outside her wheelhouse. And uh, I'm looking to see if it has a Rotten Tomatoes. It it has a very low score on IMDb out of nothing, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, Rotten to- Okay, so there's not very much, but there's nine critics that reviewed Mame that went back and reviewed it, and it's got a 33 percent. And the audience score out of 462 is a 48 <laughs> percent. But it, it's also an old timey musical, and you're reading reviews yeah. on the internet, so like yeah. I don't know <laughs> if that. You know what I mean? I just I don't know how much yeah. that. I I honestly like. I've never seen me. I've seen the stage play. I've never seen the yeah. the, the film adaptation because I really never cared for the stage play that much. Although people yeah. love it, um, and it's got big song. I mean, there are big songs that come from Mame, but uh, isn't that where these are a few of my favorite things comes comes from? Oh, is it really? I think I so. I don't know. Oh. I can't remember. I think I tried to watch it once. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. I just know in my head that famously. 
it didn't seem to do very well. And, and so I, that just stuck out to me that like Lucille Ball doing something that like, oh, she was in a musical? Like, it always seemed weird to me. Sorry, but we I don't need know. a little Christmas. That's what comes from there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, so, it, I mean... Do we want to talk we can about tr- the the story a little bit of like what they're trying to do here about him so, writing? Yeah, so uh, Mankiewicz is a fairly uh, famous and uh, infamous just for his kind of like not no filter between brain and mouth. But it seems um, like people love him, and from what I was it watching definitely videos did get that feeling, and yes. reading, it's like everyone was like Mank, Mank. I mean, he was a funny guy. He could. He was the life of a party. I mean, yeah, he was a drunk, which obviously caused issues and ultimately ended cut his life short. But yeah, but like he was witty. Like if he was in a room, I mean, he would be like the Tom witty wise. Like Tom always has something to say. And Our Tom? Tom, I just got yeah. compared to Oh, all right, Mankowitz. Yeah, like I mean, but but that's the thing though. If you're well, with Tom, make me this promise. Uh, when I die in five years, <laughs> don't let David Fincher's son make a movie. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe one of your podcast sons will write a movie about okay. you. But, uh, but no, but I mean, seriously, like if you know Tom personally and just from listening to the podcast, you can probably tell that, you know, when we say something, the little Tom, a little light bulb goes off in Tom's head and he's quick on his feet and he can have a witty you know, it's a response to, yeah, it's it just like, so Mankiewicz was the type that would light up a room and, and be the life of the party. And he would always have something funny to say. And so maybe when you're his boss, you're not that fond of him, you know, because right. he's not afraid to talk back and make fun of you and do whatever and, and speak his mind. But the people seem to really get a kick out of being around Mank from what I understand. And when I heard Ben Mankiewicz talk about some of this stuff because i was just doing some research and it seemed like he backed it up like the movie was very truthful to the way that he was good and the bad right. and that he was the life of the party wherever he went yeah and so this movie is we get the the little stinger in front that uh orson wells was kind of given a blank check to do whatever he wanted and he wanted to do a movie with um with mankowitz but they had a very short time frame and into when they could get it done. Uh, So they need Mankiewicz to stay sober, to dry out and to knock out this script in what was it like? 90 days. days? days? They told him 90 and then gave him 60. Right. Right. So he's, you know, he's then Orson calls and Orson says, going to need you to do it in 60. Yeah. Right. And it's like when he says, and he's gotten like Orson Welles has got so much clout at this point that people are just, you know, when he says jump, they say how high. Mm -hmm. Like they're just, they're falling over themselves to get things done for him. He's the Um, Wonderkind. Like, yeah, yeah, basically. He's the the next big thing. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Right. Um, So there, you've got that story where you've got Mank and his two, um, like, housemaids, I guess. Like the one whose assistant, his assistant, the other gal, is like a legit nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's there to take care of him because he's been in this accident and he's broken his leg. Uh, and of course it's the 1930s. So, you know, a broken leg could lead to death. So they've got to like, you know, they've got to do all kinds of different stuff with the leg at this point. Um, so, and that's kind of the main, that's your current day story where you get a lot of uh, exposition is in the flashbacks. You see him uh, working for MGM, um, bringing in his brother who and i will say i did enjoy most of this cast like i liked the brother 
So I his like brother him. was a big deal. His brother's yeah, his brother wrote Oscar all winning, about Eve and yeah, a lot. He's of an stuff. Oscar winning writer director, and he wrote a ton of movies. Oh, is like that right? The, like the brother, like so we know Mank only because of Citizen, not only, but I mean, famously for Citizen Kane. We're watching this movie because of Citizen Kane and all that. But then when you go over to Joseph Mankiewicz and you see his list of what he accomplished, and Mank is the one that brought him in. Yeah, right. I mean, you right. see it in the movie that really happened. He got the job because of Mank and what I'm thinking is his brother wasn't an alcoholic and his mm-hmm. brother worked hard and he didn't screw off and he didn't battle the establishment yeah and I so felt he like, says that too he says he's like I think he, in one point when they're having that conversation on the on the porch he's like I maybe I'm just I'm better at playing the game than you or maybe yeah. I have like a little less spine than you is yeah I felt like the I felt like the brother um doesn't have as much raw talent as as mm-hmm. as the the main Mankowitz right. but um but that he works harder, and right. that, yeah, exactly. and he's he better at working the, the system. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but he was a famous. So, just so you know, it's like so. Mank won the only Oscar for Citizen Kane that he shared with Orson Welles for writing. But you know, this which other again, guy, I liked that scene. Right, like I yeah. like the scene where he gets the script done and they're like, "This is amazing," and he's like, "Cool, you can have it, but I want credit." Mm. And Orson Welles is like, Bwah! Like loses his mind. Yeah, and then he's like, well, "Oh, this he is agreed, what we need for the final." At, he had, like he had agreed to write it without screen credit, and mm-hmm. so which is he, insane. Yeah, and like, could you imagine that to, again? Imagine that today. But, where but I think, like, no. but I mean, and this is jumping forward, but also. At this point in time, Mankiewicz is washed up, as he right. said he is. Yeah. And yeah. he obviously still has it in him to do the work. But at this point, the studios aren't trusting him. He's proven to be a loose cannon. And so he's like, he he agreed to do this work to get a paycheck because no one else would work with him. And in return, he he signed away his credit. And that was their agreement, as Orson states at the end. And, uh, you know, I mean, so to... Orson Welles credit I mean they did have a contract and right. he did agree to this so it is Mank coming back and trying to break that now and I'm not saying it's fair to not give him credit but that's that was the agreement he, that's, that's the, the deal agreement. he structured yeah. I would but I would also argue or posit that maybe he wouldn't have written as good of a movie if he had thought from the outset that his name was going to be on ah, it I think see, his, there you go I think his name not being on it maybe freed him to write in a way that he wouldn't have written if he felt like his reputation was at stake. And then he gets to the other end of it, having written under this guise of freedom and realized, oh, this is really good. Now put my name on it. Right. I, th- I think that's a great point, Tom. And that's what really frustrates me when when you step back and look at different situations where a person... Okay, it's just the most basic uh, example of this that is understandable, like universally extendable. A big CEO of a company, multi multi millionaire that's rich and successful, and they say, you know, oh, I'm a self made man, but their dad was the CEO before them, right. and they were given us, you know, a silver Who spoon. Who are you or talking whatever. about? Well, I'm just saying this is the most <laughs> generic, I'm I'm basic. But it, it's not right, anyone. Right, right. It's every. It's the it's it's the it's the born on third base thinking. Yes, every event. Yeah, they've been given every advantage and they may be talented, but they were born on third base, like you said. And so like when you're a Walton and you're a billionaire, (laughs) but you're 
dad was the one that did all this and then gave you a job as being the vice president or whatever. And now you're the CEO. It's like, yeah, you may have been good at what you do and you may have worked hard. But given that opportunity, there's a lot of people that could be put in that position. Right. And maybe sure. a lot of people even better. So that's my point is that it's it is frustrating to see when people it's like these people have never seen trading places. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, so this is a situation where I know they're different, but it's the same type of thing to where like Tom's example is maybe is a very good example and maybe very true where it's like, well, Orson may have done, I'm sorry, uh, Mank may have done his best work and may have created this because of the arrangement. It's the opportunity that Wells gave him and not having credit may have pushed him along. Then he does the great work and says, I want credit. It's like, well, Orson provided you the opportunity to even do that. And so now you're like, but I did this, but, but you still also only did it because of Orson. Like you only had it's, the opportunity. It is, honestly, it's like to that point, I'm actually, I'm sitting here looking at my, uh, CGC 8.5 swamp thing at number 37. Oh, mine's no an 8.6. No, see, that's, that's good. Uh, I mean, 8.5 is like, okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's fine. Uh, the first appearance of John Constantine in DC. Of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, so, but it's almost like when you have an all-star writer and an all-star artist and they are working on a Superman book and they're doing this amazing work, but it's not their character. Right. Like you're playing right. in somebody else's sandbox. Right. And, and Mank kind of did that. Like he, he only, he only got this shot because Orson Welles took a, took a chance on him. He knew his talent, but Orson Welles was, I mean, it was, up, you know, 80 years before the phrase, but he moneyballed it. He did moneyball it. You're exactly yeah. right. He absolutely moneyballed it. Now I also so he, think Orson Welles had a huge ego, was very yeah. difficult to work oh, yeah. with, and was a mess. I'm not saying Orson Welles. This is not an Orson Welles like the most amazing, best, whatever. Like we know Orson Welles, there are issues there. So that's not like he tried to conquer the world with Pinky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not like arguing. That's a whole different conversation. So, but we're just saying in this case, no matter what Orson Welles was like or what he did, we're talking about this one situation. He gave Mank the opportunity, Mank agreed to it, and Mank backtracked on it. And so yeah, that's right. just the fact. And he, I mean, he held him up, basically. He's like, I, you just, then you don't get the script. Like, you either give me credit or you don't get the and script. And he's like, like well, oh, you're, you're a villain. Like, everyone, you're not an insider in this industry. And as much of a mess as I am, like, I'm still inside more than you are. So they're not right. going to agree with you, Orson Welles. They're going to still side with me on getting credit. And then, you know, and then it comes into a big blow. Well, it's, it's interesting that the, 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 the Screenwriters Guild is, like, right around the corner. Like, it's in its infancy. It's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Studios yeah, I don't think do the guild writers. would let an arrangement like this happen today. They wouldn't. You know? I, I seriously doubt that they would. But yeah. like I said, like, and it sounds like the Mankiewicz was front and center on getting that thing started, or at least a part of yeah. getting that off the ground. Yeah, but, after so this like, situation, maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> don't uh, let people do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the so, things that frustrated me in the in the latter third of this movie was when everybody's going to Mankiewicz, like, like... Uh, you you can't l- put this movie out there, and I'm like, but the screenplay exists. It's not his anymore. He, yeah, right. He can't right. stop Wells from making this movie. So why do we get scene after scene of people begging him to do something that he ultimately has no power to do? Do you mean well, that he's still working on the drafts because it, and everything? But I guess if, he's still. If in... they've read the screenplay, it's out there. Like if if mm. if that's the movie Wells wants to make, he's gonna make it. I guess yeah. they figure that him being the writer and him still working, I mean, it's only in its first draft. I guess they figure that he still has some kind of 
I mean, I get what you're saying. If Wells wants to do it, he wants to do it. But yeah. I guess they're just. Ho- I mean, this is their. What else can they do? They're not going to go to Wells, so they're like. Well, and it, also the way the movie structures it, it looks like he's. You know, he's got sixty days, and that most of those conversations look like they're coming on day fifty-eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, like, I mean it's that. You know, so it's like sure. what, the fact that he. I mean, if, in that story, the fact that he cranks out what like two thirds of that movie in twelve days. Isn't that like, that's isn't that when insane. a lot of us do our best work though? Yeah. I, I mean, mean probably that's fair. I mean that's and he the, says that. He goes, I, yeah. I do my the I do my best work when I'm about to go to sleep or pass out. What yeah. were they what so what was initially in those bottles? Was it just medicine they, in the bottles? I couldn't tell what that what was? It was because like they said something like Cinecol or and and, and they just switched it out for booze? Well, right, it was like something wanted. they were. I took it like they sent him there to get him away from booze. Mm-hmm. And, right, that was my impression as and well. He had this other stuff, but then it was locked up, so he couldn't get to it. But well, because it like he drank the whole bottle and it put him like in coma sleep. Oh, like, I wonder yeah. if it was like, pain meds. Like it was medicine to help him sleep, but you don't drink. But since he didn't have alcohol, he drank it to get messed up. But like it's <laughs> put medicine, him, knocked him out. You can't just <laughs> that's this. how he lost thirty days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he was knocked out. And so, so, that, so, so they swapped it out for booze because he's like, right. booze will make me write better. And and like I, you know, and that's I didn't like the scene where the 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 the, the German la- gal, the yeah, the lady who'd been with him for a long time is like, well, he's an adult, and if he wants to drink, then I'm just like, I did like her. I sto- liked that like, a lot because of the story. I did I like I liked story. her story and what uh-huh. Meg had done for for yeah. her and her family, but I didn't like the you know I was just like. Well, that's not. I'm like because it was played as kind of cutesy or like noble, and I'm like she's helping he's a drunk a, stay drunk. Yeah. Like, that's not. Yeah, you're just enabling this poor guy. But I get it that like I mean, but from her viewpoint, he saved all their lives and gave them a place to live and everything. And then sure, also sure. she recognizes that like this is who Mank is, and he knows he has a problem. And like if he needs to write this thing and he needs alcohol, I mean, I get that it's also like it's encouraging this behavior. But she's like. I, if we I don't stop him, he's going to go get more. Like it's, it's just, only it. Well, no, he's not going to go get more. His legs he's broken. A busted he's not going to go anywhere. I, well, right, right. I just mean, I mean, like as soon as the cast is off. I I'm did, just, I did like that line where he's got the jar in his hand, and they're like, "How did he get over there?" Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a story that's only cute because it's eighty years old, and you know that Citizen Kane comes out the other side. No, you're right. If it was today and someone was like, well, here, just yeah. take the heroin needle. You're right. right. It's not like cute. It's, I, I totally get yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so yeah, so your main your main present day stuff is him trying to get this script right. I will say that the gal who was like his assistant, I was like, could they not get the girl from Knives Out? Could they just, the, like, can we get a girl that looks kind of like oh. her? Because, <laughs> like, she looks just like her. Hmm. Uh and then all the flashbacks is basically about him as a person. Um, it's like him and MGM. This is where you get all the him old and MGM stuff. and just like the, the Hollywood. You get to and see the, the studios, and you get to see William Randolph Hearst, and you get to see what's the actress's name that Amanda Seyfried plays, Marion Davies. Marion Davies, and so you get to see these Hollywood names that you read about. That in the stuff history books. didn't. I mean, I could give a sh- right, but but <laughs> like, if you love old I Hollywood, and totally, I'm not, I mean, totally, Tom's obviously I completely the exception here, but like I haven't ever seen this stuff like i mean in person you read about it you see pictures but like i loved seeing the old recreation of the back lots and seeing the stars and and seeing mayor walk around and say these things that he said and like to me 
that walk and talk through the studio was one of my favorite. I was like, God, I go to me, my review of this movie. What I was going to say is he out Sorkin Sorkin. And you guys said the opposite, yeah. but it was a Sorkin. He dialogue. tried to be Sorkin, but there's only, but one I think, Sorkin. but I, in my review is he Sorkin better than Sorkin. See, I loved it. And <laughs> I, I don't know. It, for me, I, it completely I, worked. I agree that I did not like the walk and talks, but like I said, and then I liked the scene in like the, where they're at like the, the party and they're talking about, uh, Hitler and like, just, mm-hmm. I mean, that was the mindset back then, right? Like that nobody was worried about that guy mm-hmm. until, and then it's I did like, yeah, which is just like, they're making jokes, but like things yeah. hadn't gotten, I guess, I guess the Holocaust had happened at this point because Mankiewicz makes a comment. Well, it's gearing up. Like the, he said, yeah. is that what just, it is? Like he yeah, just built his first. It's like concentration thir- camp. I think that scene takes place in like thirty three, and he's like, "Oh, okay. he just built his first concentration camp." And my guess is, because uh, somebody else is like, "What's that?" What's like that? the yeah. right, right, you know. So like, I I enjoy seeing what people were thinking right before hit the fan. Yeah, they well, didn't and, have the internet. Right? Like, you have to understand, they didn't know. All they knew yeah. is what the mm-hmm. newspaper, the wire sends over, and so their understanding before the atrocities, of course, and especially. Also, yeah. and there's like one line that, that references this, but Germany was a huge international film market. Hollywood uh-huh. made a lot of the, money. The, it's, in this, it's in this scene where they yeah. say how much money Hollywood made a there. lot of money putting out their films in Germany, and so like you had to that that's part of why you don't see very many anti-nazi movies until the war actually starts up because and they reference that that Mank wrote an anti-nazi screenplay but nobody would make it and right. because they knew that if they made it it's it's the same way you don't get anti-chinese stuff anti-chinese government not anti-chinese Oh sure people. sure sure you don't get anti-chinese government stuff today right they're like you'll you you know you you'll never see uh a Chinese character be the villain in a movie because they know it won't get released in China. There's too much money well, in that fast market. Fast and Furious it and then make him a good guy in the second one. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I mean, there's you know, and I, my guess is that played a role, right? Like it's sure, absolutely. There's so much money to be made in China that if the Chinese government says we want a movie that does X, Y, and Z, Hollywood is going to do X, Y, and Z. And so, right. look at what was that? What was that Matt Damon one that we saw? What was that? Great one? Wall. The Great Wall. Oh, you buddy. even see it in the Iron Man movies. What was it, Iron Man two? Where there's like a Chinese doctor or scientist, and like oh. in in China, that guy's got a whole subplot, and there are, <laughs> it's a bunch of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, and you're like, you're like, why Who is this guy, guy? Why is this guy got 20 minutes of footage? Because in China, you know, that's that is super interesting because they have Shang Chi coming out. Yeah, I am super interested to see a what that does domestically. Because it's, I mean, like, you want to talk about deep cuts. Like, right. that's a, Yeah, but Marvel at this cut. point, if you put MCU. No, totally, totally. But, I mean, is it going to be, like, an, a Marvel Ant-Man? Or is it going to be, like, a Marvel uh, Iron Man 1? Yeah, but I want to see what that movie does overseas. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, when's the last time you saw uh, a, an action movie with a Asian lead? Yeah. So, uh, some of the key points they go through. So, when we're introduced to Marion Davies by Amanda Seyfried, uh, she introduces uh, Mank to William Randolph Hearst, who's played by Charles Dance, who you would know from Game of Thrones. Uh, he's the Lannister, the father Lannister, Tywin. And uh, he is fantastic. I He's always good, he, though. He's always I will good. Say that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a great actor, but he looks a lot like William Randolph Hearst. Oh, if does you he? look at the photos. So that's great casting, and he's great as always. I thought Amanda Seyfried was great putting on that accent and uh, she, playing. I feel like she has really, she's another one that kind of broke out of that 
like teen ditzy right. mold. Well, she is in Mean and Girls. Has become and a she really was in Mamma Mia. Yeah. You know, and so, oh, yeah, but, but right. she also. She was can also act. on Big Love, HBO's Big Love. Yeah. 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 But she can act. I mean, she has yeah, proven sure. that, you know, she outside, she can uh, break out of those roles and she is very good. And I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, but, but, you know, she started in kind of that teen comedy mm-hmm. type thing and mm-hmm. she broke out. And I thought mean she was, right? She was the she right, was right. Mean Girls. Right. So she, uh, she really does a but good But I would job. say Big Love was in the same time frame as, as Mean Girls. So she was doing oh, really? like more prestige stuff simultaneously. Yeah. That's okay. interesting. I, I mean, I watched Big Love. I don't remember her in that. Who she, she was, uh, she was the daughter. She was like the main my oh, daughter on that show. Okay, I just don't remember. Because for funny. years, whenever I would, because I watch a show and whenever I would yeah. see her in something, I'm like, oh, it's the girl from Big Love. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah I just don't even remember that. That's funny, but uh, I loved that show. I did not like the ending. I mean, <laughs> the ending wasn't bad, but I didn't like it. I'm just like, yeah. oh, so I won't spoil it, but uh, yeah, it's depressing. But anyway, um, so that's how he's introduced to William Randolph Hearst, and they have this really, this interaction where you know Hearst really likes the way that Mank talks and thinks like he says right. things that people don't usually say and he's smart and he's honest and uh you know and, and he says set set him a place you know near me at dinner and so the, you know William Randolph Hearst likes Mank but you know Mank is like we said he's not one of these people that's going to just go along with the establishment like the brother will do you know he's not going to make the smart play for his career so he sees what people like mayor you know the head of mgm mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and hearse this newspaper mogul uh he sees the things they do he doesn't agree with it and he says it and he he's not afraid to and so you know the reason that they like him is also the reason that they can't get along with him and and that and we see as the movie goes on and more of these flashbacks how he has a falling out with mayor and hearst and these people uh and you know he writes citizen kane under the wire and he uses these people from his life as characters in the movie so you know he's using marion davies he's using william randolph hearst uh, as characters um now, Orson Welles, did Orson Welles have an agenda against these people, too? Or did he? I mean, why did Orson Welles take on Hearst? I think it was political. Um, okay. I think. The political part. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he didn't like just the the way that Hearst kind of, I mean, you know, Hearst was the Rupert Murdoch of his day, but only more so because mm-hmm. there there. He, he many, literally controlled the information. Yeah, there weren't yeah. as many alternatives to right. to uh, right. to to what the Hearst Media Empire, where he could print whatever he wanted people to think. Yeah, and like you said, more so than today, because yeah, if you have people that only watch one news or read one newspaper, sure, well then they're going to go along. But there's a lot of people that watch other stuff. But back then, it's like, well, if it, he puts it in a Hearst paper. That that's is, an interesting question. Are there conservative newspapers? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean that. I mean that's what conservative media grew out of, you know. But Wall I just Street think like you've got like Fox News that is well, even like the New New York Post, the or New York what Post, and, and yeah. the New York Post is owned by Murdoch Company. It's so, Fox okay. News. So, oh, yeah. okay, but okay. that New York Post, if you look at, if you find websites that say New York Post, that's like that's the ultra conservative. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah, and like Wall Street Journal is is very conservative, but more a button up conservative. Than, than like Fox News or New York Post would be. New York sure, Post sure, sure. Is, can be very salacious, but but yeah. conservative. Where the like Wall Street Journal is very, like I said, button up conservative. Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, and so it used to be flat. real quick. It used to be yeah. most cities had two newspapers. Um, yeah, and then the Globe Democrat and the Post. And you had and you had a, a 
liberal and a conservative paper. So like locally, you know, we had the the Globe Democrat and the Post Dispatch. The Post Dispatch was the liberal paper. The Globe Democrat was the conservative paper. Isn't Oddly, that weird? Look at I, that name. That's a weird name to be a conservative <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> well, it's because there used to be the Globe and the Democrat, and then at some point they merged. There used to be right. a Post and a Dispatch, and at some point they merged because you know, like in the early 1900s, the town might have had four or five newspapers. Sure, sure. I really like uh, again going back to the technical aspect. We touched upon some of the lighting and the shots that he used. Uh, when you talk about recreating old Hollywood, uh, for example, when he goes to Hearst Castle and uh, you see this amazing looking mansion, and uh, you know Mank walks out of it with um, with Davies, and they have that first conversation, mm-hmm. and they go back mm-hmm. to it for the second party where things really implode toward the end. Uh, but the Hearst Castle, this huge palace mansion type thing like they recreated that from photos and they did a really good job of like they were filming that on a little set but then they used like a matte painting of the castle and they digitally imposed uh little things to tweak it up and make it look like they needed to at the time period which is Um, very 1930s right yeah 1930s filmmaking so the feel of it was again that's another one of those technical things that made it feel like an old movie uh and they kept the digital effects to a minimum but it really did feel i didn't feel out of place like to me with the film i didn't go oh that's a fake looking house in the background like i thought they did a really good job of doing that and i'm sure they did it all over the place with different sets and and buildings of the time and i thought it looked really good yeah it was a good looking movie Visually, I mean, and that's the, that's what I've come to expect from a Fincher film, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's always going to look good. Sure. As much as we are looking forward to the bat, like the Batman looks like a David Fincher movie. Like from that initial trailer, it looks almost identical to a Fincher flick. Uh, but yeah, I kind of agree. Like the score, I know people are raving about the score. I, I thought it, it was nothing, intrusive. It did nothing for me either. I like, thought it, it was doesn't... intrusive, and I thought it was kind of hackneyed. I didn't like mm-hmm. that faux thirties. Bouncy, yeah. like, hey, waka waka every time they were doing a walk and talk. And it was like, and I feel like there's a point in this movie where that is playing for like 20 minutes straight. And I just like, I hate it. It's just, it. it's it's Crystal like trying to just mess with you. So she just turns it on. Yeah. <laughs> she made it my She's playing tone. the Muppet soundtrack. The yeah. Background. But I just, no. I, I, I did not like the score. That's and so normally it's funny. Normally I don't even notice scores. I know some people are really into them. And, but like, a, a score has to either be really good or really bad for me to notice, and typically it has it's really good. I don't even notice. Yeah. It's just like it's just background. I'm kind of the it's same just, way though. No, yeah. I mediocre, just serviceable scores. I don't think about, and really right. good ones stand out to me. I'm the same way. Yeah, for no. for me to notice a score, it's got to. I mean, yeah. it almost has to be John Williams, right? It's got to be. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be Raiders of the Lost Ark or Jaws, right? Or right? Right? Yeah. But um, it's just uh, as much as I love music, that instrumental stuff is just it's just. audible wallpaper to me it's also so like they've worked with they have worked with fincher starting with social network social Social network network, so like and they've been front and center with him and you know like when they're doing and this they've been doing so many other things too they're doing the music for soul yeah Yeah. oh are they really yeah they're doing the like Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross have gone on to do you know stuff outside of Fincher, like Soul, and they're they're great. I mean, they're Oscar winning composers, right? Sure, what sure. Are they, what I do mean, they win I the love, Oscar for? I love Tool. <laughs> you know, I guess Nine Inch Nails. Nine, that's what I meant. I Not was going to say Tool. It's, it's, it's Nine yeah. Inch Nails, but uh, uh, but yeah, they, like the, the the it it didn't take me out of it as much as Tom, but I was listening for their score because I do really like their scores, mm-hmm. and it just did not. 
I was like, okay, so we're just doing a 1930s score, right? But I mean, like, I that's think all it, we're doing. Uh, to me, it perfectly fit. What what other kind of score are you going to do? And I don't this know. Movie like they did, the so they did a remake <laughs> of Carpenter's Halloween theme that is, in my opinion, a little bit more haunting mm. than Carpenter's. Right? So they can. And do... it was Social Network. They won the Oscar for. Is it. that so what that it was? They didn't collab, win one for. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. They have one Oscar. So I was trying to, because I couldn't remember which one it was. I figured Social Network, but I looked and it was only that one. But yeah, I mean. Did they get know. nominated for Girl with the yeah. Dragon Tattoo? Yeah, they got nominated for other stuff too. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with Tom. It was like, it just didn't, I get that it, it was the it was the sound that they wanted for this film, but it just didn't work. It was me. too much. Yeah, it was too much. It was too much. Like, well, talk it, about interesting uh people that worked on the film so we're talking about how good the movie looked right and i we all agree it looks good and fincher's clearly a competent filmmaker but a lot of that is left up to the dp right and so uh the cinematography is by eric messerschmidt which i'm not familiar with that name he's not a household name for for cinematographers get this eric messerschmidt what he's known for and he's worked with fincher in the past aliens three (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which yeah that is david fincher's first yeah. film no um yeah. he was the dp on the video for you don't we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time <laughs> which was directed by david fincher yeah I was gonna, <laughs> well there you go uh gone girl he was the gaffer Wow! <laughs> I mean, talk about right. That's what I mean. Like this guy has worked a lot. He's the he is a gaffer on Mad Men. He is a gaffer on a bunch of TV shows. He was a gaffer and some additional photography. Okay, so we started doing DP stuff. Tomorrowland, Ant Man, Fantastic Four. So we did some superhero stuff. Mind Hunter. He was a DP on TV. There okay. you go. Oh, okay. And then he was a DP second unit on Sicario Two, Day of Soldado. And then yeah, now he's the cinematographer on Mank. So, I mean, it's a good looking movie. I'm not yeah. gonna. I, I cannot dispute that at all. So I we'll went down the, see more from from. I would. I went down the rabbit hole about a week ago on David Fincher music videos. There's yeah. a lot. It's great. It's so yeah, great. He's done yeah. some weird stuff. He, he directed like all that weird sci-fi Rick Springfield videos, mm-hmm. and yep, then yep. Uh, and then he directed the the we we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time video, and he directed like two or three videos for the outfield, like the like the bigger hits for the outfield, mm-hmm. not just yeah. nothing ones either. It's, Isn't that crazy? Isn't that where Snyder started too? Snyder's Wasn't he a music doing, video he was doing yeah. music videos. McG, yeah. that's where he came from. That was yeah. the, all right. Yeah, but it's where he started. I mean, but that's that's true. the that's thing fair. though. Music videos became this whole, you know. Music videos are like little films, little short right. films, and they were back then. Yeah, and especially, I don't think I I couldn't. When was the last time you watched a music video? And it well, was they're a, still pretty. Bi- I mean, yeah. there's are they? music videos. That, I have no oh, idea. Yeah. I'm, 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 I mean, legit, you're not. I couldn't tell you. You're not maybe in that age range. But when no. something comes out like WAP, that's like a huge yeah. deal. What's for that stand for, Kevin? Someone else the other day made something <laughs> up about it. It was pretty funny. Where they wings and pizza? Yeah, I care. So yeah, someone else did something funny. But it's like when a music video comes out. Still, if you're in that generation where it's the new Ariana Grande music video or whatever, yeah. like they're a pretty big deal. It's just information moves so fast. But back sure, then sure. with MTV, yeah, oh, when MTV was a big thing, like those were huge hits. And it was also an inexpensive way to 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 test out a director right like unless you're john unless you're michael jackson you're like no let's get john landis well yeah you could go you could work backwards if you (laughs) were if you were michael jackson but from (laughs) but it was a great way for for film directors to kind of like get get some credits and show what they could do and 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 they could roll the dice on untest on you know lesser tested personnel sure yeah yeah not have to entrust a a a, you know multi-million dollar film to them to find out if they could do anything 
You know, yeah. wow, like Antoine really Fuqua. Oh, no. oh, is that right? Spike Jones. Spike Jones was worked with Beastie Boys, uh, Fat Boy Slim, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a big Be- Beastie Boys was his big, uh, yeah. big one. He directed sabotage um, video, right? Yeah. Which one? He direct Spike Jones directed the sabotage video, right? Uh, oh, did he do sabotage? I, I, yeah, I think probably. He did, but he, I, he, he did, did the lot. he did the one with uh, walking, like dancing around the room. Like that yeah. was kind of the oh the Fat Boy the Slim one. one. Yeah. 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 It's a good one. So I mean, but yeah. So it's just talk. It's just it shows you Mank. It shows you old Hollywood, and the eventual downfall is that big blow up at that second dinner, like we said before uh, at the end of the movie. You get on the and floor. He yeah. He's super. He shows up to his dinner drunk. It's a costume party. He doesn't have a costume on, and then people are like making fun of the way he's drunk and the way he looks. Like oh, he came as a whatever and uh, a court you know, jester basically. Well, I mean, they say he is because yeah. that's what he's acting like, and so that you know. Uh, Charles Dance says, sit him, you know, at the end, somewhere where he can get some air, like at, toward the end of the table. Yeah, but he, yeah. I was he, like, oh, they're going to just put him outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But so like he's at the very end of the table and then he, but he ends up getting up and he decides to go on this huge diatribe about this script about, you know, to be, mo- you know, we've got to modernize the classics like Don Quixote. And he goes on this whole thing and he sticks it to, uh, Mayor, he says, like, Mayor is Don Quixote's lapdog, and right. Hearst is Don Quixote, who is, you know, like people said would be great, but he is washed up or whatever. You know, he goes on this whole metaphor and thing that is basically just making fun of these most powerful people in their industry. And he makes a fool of himself and he ends it, you know, his exclamation mark at the end punctuation is him throwing up and people <laughs> from the party start dispersing. And then Mayor. But so, t- what am I supposed to take from from Amanda Seyfried's reaction. Like I, that's where I was like, what is she mad at him? Or is she like, well, she clearly really so didn't want anything that she wouldn't look confused. at him. She's, She's disappointed. Like, I yeah, guess because okay. it, okay. she likes ep- him, but it, yeah, she likes him, but in his effort, I mean, not likes him, likes him, but like, yeah, you know, but in his effort to get vengeance on Hearst, he basically, she got caught up. She was collateral damage and he didn't care. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's she, right. the, her, hers is the one that bankrolls her career, and you know he's screw, kind of screwing things up, and so she although, can't. Although I would also argue she would be all but forgotten today were it not for Citizen Kane. Right. Mm-hmm. It's say it's interesting how yeah. you know that's there's two sides, but but that's the punctuation, and so at the end of all this, Mayor is like, "You're an idiot." Do you know, like, you don't know yeah. this, but you know who pays half your salary? It's this man right here. And so Hearst, because he likes the way you talk. And so, and he says, not the way you write, which is his job, the way you talk. And that goes back to that first meeting where he likes all the things Mank says. And he's like, sit him next to me at dinner. So he's, he's a funny guy. Yeah. So he has screwed over. I mean, he's ruined his uh relationship with the big studios. You know, he left Paramount. He went to MGM. Now he's screwed his relationship with Mayer. Hearst liked him, but now he's totally gone after Hearst, and he's mad at them for the political stuff we talked about, uh, making propaganda video- films, basically, about politics. And uh, he's ruined these relationships. See, uh, I keep forgetting her name. What, da- Davies? Marion Davies. Marion Davies is mad at him because of all this, the way he's acting and all that. And Hearst then gives him this little talk where... It, 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 they he brings it up earlier, right? The organ grinder's monkey. He's, yeah. He mentions earlier, and then yeah. here is where we actually get the story. Where Charles Dance, who uh, you know, amazingly as Chekhov's organ grinder monkey, 
Yeah, he, he comes back and he lays out the story in the parable of the organ grinder's monkey and basically putting him in his place and it's talking about a position of power and the monkey dances, but the monkey thinks like the, the monkey, monkey thinks like, well, he's fine. the big deal because yeah. he gets dressed up and he goes everywhere exactly. and, and, and and that he's he's the one throwing the money, but really it's the organ grinder who keeps Right, the, yeah. right. So it's like so he basically says, Mank, you're just a monkey dancing for us and he says, Good night, slams the door at his face, and so that's kind of the end of that. And then we flash to present time and it's him finishing citizen kane under the wire and uh orson wells eventually comes and visits him and then this is where they have the big blow up which is we already talked about where Mank's like i you're not gonna like this but i'd like credit and orson goes crazy he picks up he sees that he replaced the medicine with booze and he picks up the thing and throws it and smashes it against the fireplace and again i really like that and i like how makes like, oh mm-hmm. i can use this we need <laughs> yeah uh, we need some, we need like kane a, in the third a little, act a little, there's a little all sorts physical of, tension at the end of there's the third all act. sorts of yeah. stuff going on in this movie that ends up in, in, in the movie. Like right like there, like in the party scenes like there's there's like an uncle sam on stilts kind of a thing that you see in citizen mm-hmm. kane like there's there's all sorts of things throughout there this Easter movie. Eggs sprinkled yeah. all throughout the, the I mean this main... movie and, and that's ultimately is one of the things that frustrated me about the the movie is that I just felt like it was just it was just fan service. I mean it was sure, film sure, nerd sure, fan sure. service, but it was just yeah. fan service after especially when they're like they name drop other screenwriters and 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 F Scott. I hate it when, they, it when they're going like, around the room and I was like McCarthy, oh that's not good. Yeah, like it was just like, like that's said, not going to end well for anybody. It was just too <laughs> get cute that by guy half. out of the room. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's it. And then it yeah. says uh, we get the little nice little tag on there about you know that they won the Oscar, Citizen Kane. You know, one of the high, highly respected best movies of all time won one Oscar. Yeah. Right, it was a writing credit shared with Mank who did all the work as as we've come to know and Orson Welles who you know cleaned up a second draft or something but you know takes credit for creating the story and, and does all that. that picture fade from Gary Oldman into the real Mankiewicz or is that Oldman the entire so. time it's just him freeze framing as far okay. as okay yeah. well I, I like I, for whatever reason no, he looks a lot f- different Mank did, did you could tell the oh difference okay of, okay if you saw Mank like I watched some videos about him and stuff it, he did not look I mean yeah, it's Gary. Gary Oldman looks like Gary Oldman. And, sure, you know, sure, He sure. put some weight on, did some hair or whatever. But yeah, you'd tell. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. And it's like, so you get the two little things. Like, first they do Orson Welles radio interview. Neither of them went to the awards ceremony. And Orson <laughs> Welles basically said, kiss my ass to Mank. What do you have to say to Mank? <laughs> kiss yeah. my other half or whatever. And then Mank ends up saying his little piece at the end and holding up the Oscar. And that's the freeze frame. And and then they say he would die ten years later of alcoholism. Unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah, he never it, wrote another feature again after that. Huh. No. Uh, so, I, I I am in the the. There are moments of this that I really really loved, and then but overall, there are so many great anecdotes around this movie that it's like if you recreate them, you're you're going to stumble sure. into interesting things to show people. I just I just didn't I didn't like the way it was strung together. Like it was it just felt like a collection of anecdotes. And it was, like I said, too cute by half. I just felt like it was nothing but fan service, and the narrative was a mess. And I just... It's the shape of water all over again. Well, let's not go crazy. Well, that's yeah, fair. I that's mean, that movie some, garbage, of, us, but that's some of us like the, <laughs> yeah. this movie, so yeah, that's not. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I guess, uh, I guess that's it for this one. Let's go around the virtual table, and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S, 21. 
This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers, where for five bucks a month, you get all sorts of bonus content and you help out. And that's greatly appreciated. So that's it for this one. No idea what we're doing next week, but I'm sure we will do something because that's what we do. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, it was a sled. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we already warned you. Better watch out. It's going to ruin the plot. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.